It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm your host, Jean McCarthy. I write the blog, Unpickled. I've been telling my story there of life after alcohol since my first day of sobriety in 2011. I tell my stories there, and I invite you to share your stories here. And today is an international episode of the Bubble Hour. My guest, Tina, lives in Sweden, and we managed to connect across the miles. It's uh, bedtime for her and lunchtime for me. <laughs> and we managed to do the math pro- um, properly so that we um, both got on the line at the same time. It was a modern miracle. And... Um, uh, we're going to jump right into it and hear all about uh, recovery in Sweden and also Tina's uh, insights on, on uh, her culture shock of experiencing some recovery culture here in uh, North America when she visited L.A. earlier this year. So, Tina, welcome to the Bubble Hour. Thank you so much. I'm, uh, I'm super, super excited to, to finally... Uh, I've been dreaming about this day. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me how long you've been listening to the show. When did you discover recovery podcasts and how does it fit into your experience? I I was thinking about this the other day and I was trying to recollect how I actually found you, but I, I, actually, I don't remember, probably Google or something like that, but it was just before I uh, stopped drinking. So it probably was at the end of 2015, I think. Um, and then, yeah. And um, well, let's go back before I, I'll mm-hmm. ask you more questions about yeah. that. But let's go back to what was going on for you at that time. Tell me about your uh, relationship with alcohol, sort of before it became. Yes. You realized it was problematic, <laughs> and and how you identified that something needed to change. Sure. I'll uh, I'll go through my my uh, my journey so far. Uh, I'll go back at the beginning and just whiz through my my life. Um, I uh, I am not Swedish, even though I live in, in Sweden. Uh, I am from Norway. Uh, I was born in a small coastal town in Norway. Um, I grew up with a mom and a dad. They are still together. Uh, and I have a younger brother. I had a good childhood, I think, uh, with lots of friends. Uh, that's where I remain close to still. Um, I didn't grow up around alcohol. There's no alcoholics like that I know of in our family. Uh, my family did drink, but I was special occasions, weekends, uh, things like that. Um, I 
I've been suffering from panic attacks all my life. And I had my first panic attack when I, when I was about 10 years old. And I've had them ever since. And I think that has done something to me um, regarding my drinking behavior. Um, I didn't touch alcohol during high school. Um, I uh, had a lot of friends. Uh, it was quite... I was a little bit of an outsider too. My interests didn't really fit in with a small town, so I couldn't actually wait to leave. Um, I was also at that time coming to terms with the fact that I am gay. Um, after high school, I attended the one-year film and TV course at a free school, which is a one-year school where you can focus on your interests. And this is where I started drinking, interestingly enough. Um, um, I didn't touch alcohol until I was 19. That was an alcohol pop, as we call it, over here. Um, and I really liked the buzz. Um, in Norway, just for reference, you can drink um, beer and wine from the age of 18, same in Sweden, and spirits from the age of 20. Um, in my new environment, the students were very, very free-spirited, uh, and I felt that I finally could be myself uh, more and more. After that, I went on to work in a production company, TV, where my drinking escalated somewhat. I loved going out clubbing in Oslo with my friends. And after finishing that apprenticeship, I decided to study TV production, and that meant that I had to move to England to study. Um, I was a very diligent student, and I only drank on weekends. But uh, after graduation... I decided to try my luck in London, and I got a job pretty much straight away in one of the biggest TV broadcasters in the UK. And now my drinking started to really take off. Uh, this was in 2001, and there was a massive um, work hard, uh, play hard uh, attitude in the media industry. Uh, and in many ways, it was totally amazing. But on the other hand, I picked up a lot of bad habits. It was absolutely normal to have a beer or a glass of wine or three for lunch. Um, I rose quickly through the ranks. I got uh, new and exciting jobs with different companies and ended up working many years for Disney. Um, I also went through a bad breakup and I met my now girlfriend. Um, when I think about it, it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly where it started to really go downhill. Um, but I think it was in my late 20s and early 30s. I'm 41 years old now, just turned. Um, my panic attacks started to get more frequent. Um, I worked very hard, but I suffered also badly from imposter syndrome and never feeling good enough and had very low self-esteem when it came to my job. Um, during this time, my partner and I went through years of IVF as well without any results. So this was obviously an extremely hard blow to realize that we would never have kids of our own. And I think that this also perpetuated my drinking. Um, then in my late 30s, things really took a turn for the worse. Uh, I started getting more and more blackouts. Basically, every time I drank, um, uh, even if it was just like one glass or if it was five bottles of wine, I, it still had, I still had blackouts. Um, I've had blackouts for years before that before that, but never this frequent. And I remember talking to some of my friends about it and to my then huge, big surprise, they never had blackouts. And I think that kind of, um, that start, that made me think, um, I thought that was weird. Um, December, 2015, we had just left England for good after living in England for 17 years. 
and we moved to the Swedish countryside where I still work uh, and live. Um, I was doing some freelance work still in London, so I was traveling a lot then as well. And I went um, that December, I went to a party and I fell out with one of my best friends. I, to this day, do not know what happened. I had a blackout, I know that, uh, but we didn't speak for about six months. That was his choice. And that shocked me to the core, I would say. And that December, I started to drink at lunchtime uh, on my own, um, which is something I'd never done before. That Christmas, back home in Sweden, I had my whole family staying over, and I woke up on Christmas Day so hungover. So the first thing I did at 9 o'clock in the morning was to pour myself a strong GNT um, in secret and drank that. Uh, so these things started to add up in my head and I got scared. But at the same time, I thought, this is normal for me now. I'm sure a lot of other people do this at Christmas. Um, but I think there must have been something inside me that knew that this, this isn't normal. Uh, and I had tried to moderate way before, like for many, many years, 10, 15 years, and obviously never worked. So after Christmas 2015, and just before the new year, I decided to quit drinking. Uh, so I, so silly when I think about it, but like that week in between Christmas and New Year's, I drank like so much. Uh, and January the 1st, 2016, sorry, I went cold turkey, and I have not touched a drink since. Uh, so that means that last week was actually my sober sober anniversary of the three years. Ah, oh, congratulations. <laughs> Can you, you believe it? No, three years sounds like a lifetime when you're trying yeah. to quit, but it's, it's do, have you found it's gone by quickly? Yes. <laughs> uh, weirdly enough. And I'm just thinking back to, like, I don't know, five years ago when I had super big issues with, like, seven days, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's mind-blowing. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, I ha- I've been jotting down questions mm-hmm. as you're talking, but I guess one of my first questions is about how your your panic attacks and feelings of imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and some of those, like, mental health kind of um, concerns or yeah. how how have those been affected by three years alcohol-free? That is a very good question. Um, I think, well, I hoped, like, during my first year sober, I was, I hoped everything would be okay by itself. Um, I thought all my panic attacks would go away, um, that I would feel better about myself, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, not the case. Um, I went into, I've, I've been back and forth uh, with counseling for many, many years. Um, but I think because I, went to counseling while I still while I was still drinking um it didn't kind of work that well <laughs> um so I found that after I uh, started seeing I have a um, cognitive behavior therapist that I go to see and that has helped me enormously with my with my panic attacks um but also uh, I, I can handle them in a much more uh, clear way now than I could when I was drinking because then I would just throw some alcohol on it and it would just perpetuate it and make it, you know, 10 times worse the next day. Right. Um, so 
I mean, however you twist and turn it, it's it's helped me both with my mental health and with my panic attacks when I stopped drinking for sure. But I still, you know, have to work on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I feel like it, it sort of clears the air to work on things, right? Like you really see what you're actually dealing with rather than this sort of muddied mass that alcohol makes out of <laughs> yeah, oh, our feelings and our our emotions and our our brain's response to things. How yeah. about your relationship? Does your partner drink? And, and yeah. how has your relationship shifted over these last three years? She's she's drinking. She she drinks, yes. Uh, she's a normie, as you, as you say. Uh, yes. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, her, her drinking um, uh, has gone down massively because I've stopped drinking. Um, I was often the kind of the instigator. <laughs> Um, Mm -hmm. and she can take it or leave it really. Um, I was afraid that it would kind of trigger me when she drank, when she's drinking or to have like alcohol in the house and stuff like that. But that's, that isn't the problem for me. Um, and I think I couldn't really have done it without her support. She's been behind me, like, you know, a thousand percent. Um, and she often tells me, you know, she can tell me flat out, you know, I'm so glad you're not drinking anymore. Did she um, did she yeah. believe you had a problem, or did she did you keep it hidden, or? Um, uh, I'm I'm not sure. She she never said to me like you have a problem, but she has told me on numerous occasions that she thinks, you know, you drink too much, or I don't like you when you drink this much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, we've had quite a lot of those conversations the day after I don't know some crazy night, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess I never really, uh, I never really took that seriously at all. Um, and I guess you know people can tell you these things, and you're like, oh well, whatever. Right. You know, um, it's not that bad, or it's their but, problem. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> deal with it. This is yeah. me. <laughs> and we'll be on the same level. But I would, I would also, I would also drink like way more than her you know she could be like oh yeah I'll just have two glasses of wine and I'm like what the what are you talking about you know I'm need at least four um mm-hmm. so she she had this stop button that I don't have uh I've come to understand yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally yeah. understand that it's amazing mm-hmm. to me actually the way that normies drink um, yeah it is I just don't <laughs> understand it no. um I'm curious about work culture then how yeah. How do you? How have you responded to? Because obviously, um, that probably your work culture hasn't changed that much. So how have you adapted to that? Um, well, that's where my cognitive behavioral therapist comes in. <laughs> um, basically, I've, I've, I have tools now to deal with stress, um, and uh, also I've, I've come to understand. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's age as well. Um, but I'm, for one thing, I'm working as a freelance now. I'm not uh, hired by one company purely. So I can kind of, I'm more of a boss of my own time, which has helped. Um, but also I'm, I'm much better dealing with stress because I, I remember listening to the bubble hour and you talked about this um, f- feeling that kind of everything is your fault. Um, and I was suffering from that really badly like if somebody was like huffing and puffing in the hallway outside my office I was like oh what have I done now this must be me I've done something wrong yeah um, that 
I had that bad. I had that really bad. Uh, I could get so stressed out if people denounce my email straight away. It's like, okay, oh no, I had to retrace my email, see what I'd said, had, had I offended anyone, blah, blah, blah. So you can imagine how I was when I was drinking and had blackouts and the day after was like, you know, pure purgatory. I mean, it was, you know, I had, going through my phones, checking, calling up friends, you know, pretending that I remembered stuff and, you know, whew, no, <clears throat> just talking about it kind of <laughs> stressed me out. <laughs> Um, but I, I have my tools now to, and I have these kind of, you know, uh, little lists that I go through in my head when I feel like I'm getting revved up, um, that has helped me so much. Um, and also I think, you know, I'm, I'm starting to think more like, you know, it's, it's only, it's only work. Um, it's not life and death. It's not, you know, this is, I'm working in TV. Um, it can be rectified if something's go is going wrong. And to be honest with you, most of the time, it was never really anything to do with me if something had gone wrong. So, you know, I, I, I created all these scenarios that are just crazy, really. Hmm. Um, so that's much better now. Um, as I said, being my own boss, you know, I can pick and choose my clients much more. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but you travel a lot for work and traveling yeah. can be a real trigger for people being alone in a hotel room, eating in restaurants, being out of your normal routine. Mm. How do you deal with those things? Thankfully, in many ways, um, and this kind of ties into the drinking culture in, in Scandinavia, um, it's, um, I'm not going to say it's not so readily available, but in a way it's not because, um, for example, here you don't have like liquor stores like you have in America. Um, you have specifically owned shops um where you can buy alcohol alcohol is not sold by any outlet so to say um and these have like very regulated opening hours and things like that so it's not it's very it's much harder to you know get your hands on something (laughs) Uh, and drinking in restaurants and pubs in scandinavia is very 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 expensive um so not having it so available is a good thing um but also what I do is I always try and think like I, I, I'm setting myself up for uh, for success, so I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna look in the mini bar just to see what they have, which is like typical you know something I I would do, um, or I would not even you know I will, I wouldn't check out the bar because I don't I don't need to be in there, um, and also. Thankfully, when I travel, I normally travel to like big cities like Oslo and London and and, uh, and Stockholm, and I have friends in all those places. So I, you know, I try to keep myself busy because the mm-hmm. worst thing I is or to have like a binge on on Netflix or something because you know at the moment I it's not so bad now after three years, but you know uh, in the first like year I thought about alcohol a lot um, and it was much harder. So I just found to keep my mind occupied and you know. Uh, exercise is my um, uh, is my kind of golden rule. Really, that's what I turn to. Also, because it makes me feel good and it helps with anxieties and all that kind of thing. So I work out. I'm actually um, at the moment training for a half marathon. So these things kind of help. And running, I can do anywhere. So do you take your runners with you? We call them runners. Yeah. Your your yeah. running shoes. Do you take them with you everywhere Always. you go? Always. Yeah. 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 I do. Do you try to stay at hotels that have a gym so that yeah. that's available yeah. to you? Yeah, I do. 
Uh, and um, also, like now, I'm I'm staying in a, often. I stay in Airbnbs, you know, so I stay with people, which I also find is quite helpful. Uh-huh. You know, just that people around are not completely on my own, like stuck in a room. Well, what if they're <laughs> drunkos? <laughs> Deep screen them. <laughs> Has that happened? Yeah, I do screen them to a certain extent, but that actually, I haven't thought about that. <laughs> oh, good. I'll give you something to worry about. <laughs> just what I need, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm here to help. <laughs> well, I'm sure you have the social skills to navigate that situation yeah. too, right? You can always go for a run or stay in your room. Do you did you make use of any recovery programs or resources when you decided to quit drinking? Um I was in um I don't have any meetups or any uh, recovery kind of steps uh, places or anything to go to around where I live at all um, it's very very far to go it's, a, it's at least an hour to the nearest uh-huh. meet uh, and it's not feasible for me so um, I had to kind of uh, as you said you mentioned like patchwork recovery uh-huh. Uh-huh. also very 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 much my thing um so everything that's helped me, I found online, um, <clears throat> and also been reading a lot of books. Um, but mostly, it's for me, it's been like you know, well, to be honest, you, the bubble hour, is like a cornerstone. Um, there's um, there's a there's a UK site called Sober Soberistas, which I'm also on, um, and also Soberistas. Yeah, soberistas.com, I think it is. Yeah, um, and also She Recovers, which I came to quite late, um, but um, She Recovers and their Facebook group. Um, I'm not I'm not a big kind of, uh, I don't often kind of post and, or stuff like that, but for me, it's like just to know that it's there, it's like amazing. You know, and just to know that I can like listen to some old episodes of Bubble Hour, and I kind of know them very quite well now, so I know which one that I need to hear. <laughs> um, you know, that's just kind of uh, all I need, really, because uh, I guess I am quite alone in the like where I where I live. Like, there's no one like me, <laughs> uh, like that are sober, so to say. Um, mm-hmm. So you do end up feeling quite. Um, you can end up feeling quite alone. Um, but that's, you know, the online community has helped me tremendously. It makes me wonder, you know, what would have happened to you or I 20 or 30 years ago if before the Internet yeah. in our situation? Like, yeah. if we didn't have that lifeline to grasp mm. onto. I'm in a community where recovery programs were available to me, so I... You know, I eventually would have got to those, but I would have mm. hit a much lower bottom. Mm. Um, it, exactly. It's frightening to think that yeah. in isolation people die of this disease if they don't yeah. get the help that they need. Absolutely. Um, I don't know what I would have done, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. What do, What's the response of the people around you when they hear you're not drinking? Or is there is there an interest in that? Do people just... Is, is your culture very stoic and you keep it to yourself? What's, mm. what's it like? Um, I would say that in Scandinavia, uh, I think uh, I 
I can only really speak for Norway and, and Sweden. Denmark is slightly different because it's kind of connected to the continent. <laughs> um, we are not so much. Um, in Scandinavia, I would say that they are way, 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 way behind um, when it comes to talking about uh, being like alcoholic or abuse, uh, substance abuse. Or, no, not substance, but alcohol. It's, it's a massive, um, you do not talk about it. Um, there's no. There's not really any Scandinavian online support that are kind of cool, you know, like the bubble hour or, or she recovers or anything like that. You don't have that. Hey, thanks um, for calling me cool. <laughs> I sincerely appreciate that. <laughs> um, so it's like... Um, uh, when I, it's it's, it's taboo basically, um, ah, yeah. and and um, it's not to be talked about. I, it's funny because uh, in my previous uh, job uh, that where I was working before Christmas, we had this massive it was massive um, kickoff party for the channel, and I went and um, we were sitting around the table and it was obviously free flowing alcohol and that's very unusual uh, in Scandinavia because it is so expensive. So when it's free, people drink. Um, and uh, people were trying to top me up and this guy was sitting next to me, hey, have some wine, have some wine. It's like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not drinking. He's like, oh, you're pregnant. It's like, no, no, I'm not pregnant. Uh, you're driving. Like, no, I'm not driving. <laughs> I, I, just, I don't drink. And then his face was like, it, he, it, his, like his face just dropped. And he kind of, he felt so uncomfortable. And I was like in a bit of a thing. So I didn't want to, I couldn't be bothered to kind of save him. So I was just kind of ignored it and talked to someone else. But that's actually quite a common, they don't know how to deal with it. Um, and also another thing that happened on that uh, night, it was like, because I love to dance. Um, and uh, it was like a really good DJ and I was dancing away with one of my friends and the next day my boss came to my office and she was like oh how's, how's your head and I was like oh totally fine I said and she was like oh how, how didn't you I was like no I didn't drink last night and she was like oh but I, but I saw you dancing <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, you can't dance even if you don't drink um, so it's like they, it's hard it's hard for many Scandinavians to understand that you wouldn't leap leap on the jump on the chance to 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 have free drinks if you know what I mean. Yeah, right. That's just um, <clears throat> it's not a done deal. Yeah, and yeah. That, so you you feel like an outsider as a sober person, or does it bother you? How do you process um, that for yourself? I kind of I kind of quite like it, weirdly enough. <laughs> Um, I like to be a bit different. I always have my whole life. Um, so it doesn't bother me that people ask. And it didn't bother me neither that he, he was kind of perplexed about it. Um, I guess what I would wish for maybe was that people spoke about it more. Um, because I think, because sometimes I think, well, it probably is only me then <laughs> here in Sweden that has a drinking problem and I'm, and I'm a woman, you know. Um, but obviously that's not the case. Um, but it sure, sure feels like it. Um, so <clears throat> that, that, that I think is a shame, um, that we are so kind of guarded, but then again, we are guarded about a lot of things. It is a very kind of stoic nation, so to say, 
uh, we don't show emotion very easily. Yes, I have a, a cousin, my husband's cousin moved to Finland. Mm-hmm. and um, They are big drinkers. <laughs> they, but they have quite progressive attitudes towards recovery. They don't really see it mm-hmm. as a sickness. They see it as no. something that needs to be addressed and dealt mm-hmm. with. But mm-hmm. um, he, he says there's definitely no small talk. You, you don't do small talk. No. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so coming from a culture that is, um, you know, quite guarded and stoic mm-hmm. and there's a lot of stigma and taboo around addiction and recovery, mm-hmm. uh, you made your way to a She Recovers event in L.A. in September. Yeah. Um, I believe you traveled alone even. Yeah, did, yeah. And, and uh, so that was a brave thing to do, and I'm just wondering mm-hmm. – did you feel like you were on another planet to be in a room of 500 <laughs> yeah. women jumping around <laughs> talking <laughs> openly about yeah. um, the changes we've made? Tell me uh, about that. Yeah, I was um, that, I was totally overwhelmed by that experience. <laughs> I think I just about recovered from that night <laughs> uh, <laughs> in a good way. Um, Absolutely, just in a good way. Um, but yeah, as you say, I was very, very um, taken aback by how open people were. Um, and I remember like one of the first uh, women I spoke to and she kind of really laid it out on the line uh, what she had been through. And I was like, oh, my word. Um, but for me, that's it's super refreshing. Like, uh, yeah, that, I mean, like, that's why you're here, you know. Um, and I felt, uh, I, I, I mean, I think everyone was really super nice, open, lovely. Um, and I felt, I didn't feel, you know, weirded out or anything like that. Um, I just felt calm in a way because, and kind of chilled because I knew that I didn't have to deal with, because I was, the, before the gala or gala <laughs> dinner, um, I was like fretting, like I wasn't thinking straight and I was thinking, oh, I hope there's no alcohol there because what am I going to do? And I was thinking, no, hang on, this is a sober event. Go on, you don't have to worry. And just both <laughs> kind of, those kinds of things, it's like so nice, you know? Because yes. it makes yeah. me realize how much I think about these things. Like, oh, is it going to be alcohol? Where is alcohol going to be? I mean, is it going to be free? You know, like uh, that's like, that was kind of taken out of the equation completely. And that was just that. And that everything is kind of geared toward recovery and all the boots and, you know, it's just positive, like, affirmations. It's just, it was just really, to me, it was, uh, I was totally, like I say, overwhelmed. I was, like, on a high for, like, the next, I was on holiday the week after in California, and I was, like, just, like, flying around, <laughs> like, you know. And it really kind of cemented my belief that this is, I'm doing the right thing, um, you know. Um, that I am, I am where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do because also that sometimes that thought sneaks in that you know well, I wonder if you know if I had a glass now how would that be you know like sometimes I can start to think like that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and uh, being at these events, you know, kind of yeah, as I say, cements my my uh, my feeling that you know no, you are this is where you're supposed to be really. This is the this is the path for you. And that's nice to kind of get that confirmed. <laughs> yeah, I I think you're right. I think that's that's a really good feeling to just be with people who understand you. You don't have to even explain a whole lot just to just to know. Oh, these people they know what it's yeah. like, and yeah, exactly. to feel 
not like an outsider for yeah. a few days to yeah. be. Yeah, oh, it's so cool. It, that's, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I still I'm still in touch with some people, some of the girls I met there, and you know, just. And I think it's just so nice when you I, I put up on Instagram that I had my like three years. Uh, anniversary last week and you know I get like ah oh, great well done Tina you know like from people I met there and that to me is like really cool yeah yeah um, <clears throat> so uh, but yeah it was it was an experience it really really was uh oh yeah it blew me away um, if you could take parts of that home and mm-hmm. make changes in your own community what would you like to see different if you could ma- wave a magic wand Mm-hmm. Not that you would be responsible for doing it, but if you could no. just wave a magic wand, what would yeah. be some of the things you'd love to see? <clears throat> I think, I think the like I touched upon earlier, like that that we are a bit more open about having issues. I mean, something that has come out more and more in in Scandinavia now is we talk more about mental health because that was again something that was like not talked about at all, and suddenly everybody was really struggling and nobody kind of, oh, you know. Um, so things are changing here. Uh, mental health is one. And that's a lot of talk about that. There's a lot of, you know, uh, talk about mental health in young people and things like that. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that we can be as open about um, al- alcohol abuse you know uh, and drinking and things like that or even you know just take a look at the way we do drink here because it is the culture is very geared up toward party hard and drink hard and you know it's quite it's quite uncommon in Scandinavia to drink I mean if you drank on a Tuesday people would look at you like you're a freak but if you don't drink on a Saturday you're an even bigger freak um, so you know it's like uh, I wouldn't have fit in either way because you know at the end I was thinking every day um, but um, I think and also it's like a big kind of oh uh, you know you turn 18 oh you're 18 now you know what that means you can get be drunk blah 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 and you're like yeah yeah you know it's like and the whole the whole kind of the whole mentality in Scandinavia is party and alcohol is like goes hand in hand you know it's like intertwined Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and then you know binge drinking it, uh, it, it's a result it's huge here um, so it's like a bit of it's like skewed um, but I I would hope that um, you know maybe in a few years <laughs> that it would we would just be more open about it um, because I think you know I think it's as pre- prevalent here as, as anywhere else I, I can't see it not be really. Um, but uh, but at the moment it's still we have a way to go, uh, unfortunately. And also you know there's no there's not many options uh, for 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 where you can go and get help. You know it's either you know you don't have all those like smart or is that what it's called like you know a bit uh, like alternatives to, uh-huh, uh-huh. to you know yeah there, there's a number of programs here yeah. smart recovery and refuge yeah. recovery and yeah. um, um, do you have twelve step meetings AA yeah. meetings there? Yeah, you do. Uh, so that's what my op- only option would be. Uh, but it's mm-hmm. so far that it's you know it's not feasible. Uh, but I also think like you know um, to have um, here if you go to rehab, uh, kind of very dire. I mean that's in people's eyes. Then then you're really that bad. 
And I met in LA, I met a lot of women that had been in recovery and spoke about that very openly. And that to me also is quite uh, new. <laughs> um, because if you, have, if you say that here, in, uh, that's, that's pretty bad. You know, I've really found that to be quite interesting, too, since since I've been talking, I guess, constantly to people mm-hmm. in recovery, is that mm-hmm. it's really come to, to me, it seems like we're more willing to talk, not only talk about rehab, but a, a lot of women talk about it as being such a wonderful, <laughs> life-changing experience. Yeah. I have a pre-recorded episode coming up next week that includes... Um, a conversation with a woman who stayed 18 months in rehab and then wow. went on to, to volunteer at the sober yeah. house for years yeah. after. And yeah. she, I asked, like, oh, my gosh, why so long? And she just yeah. said, it was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so that's something that I, I feel is new. Maybe I just wasn't mm-hmm. listening or getting past my own mindset before. Okay. Yeah, no, I haven't heard that about that either. But that's cool, though. I mean, that's... that's that's possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, Do you think in your industry that there might be any appetite for um, spreading information or sharing insights about this sort of new recovery advocacy movement? It seems to me that, that there's sort of a novelty to it yeah. um, in, in some cultures where, yeah, I mean, definitely. what are your thoughts around that? Would yeah, you be I willing think, yeah. to open that conversation? Yeah, I've been thinking about it. Um, and um, I'm uh, a little bit on the fence, but not. But I'm leaning to doing it more than not doing it. Um, I think, as a, as I said, like we don't have this kind of fora in here in, in Scandinavia, uh, and uh, I think, it, as you say, it's very much a novelty, absolutely. Um, and I think, you know. I was thinking about this the other day because I mean I haven't done like any service, you know, like uh, giving back or anything like that. Um, so I've been thinking, I have been thinking about it, maybe getting something going or, or open the opening the conversation more. Um, well, that is exciting. Yeah, um, it's just, it just means that I, because I don't blog, I don't do anything like that. Um, so I'm kind of out on my. Instagram account, but like on Facebook and stuff, I'm still not kind of super open about it. So I just need to be okay with that before. Um, but I think I, I think now is the time. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I don't know if you do. You know who Elizabeth Vargas is? She wrote a book. Uh, she's a, a broadcaster mm-hmm. here in uh, or a journalist in in. Um, in the U.S., and she wrote a book last year called Between Breaths about um, her lifelong struggles with anxiety mm-hmm. and her um, several times to rehab and, and subsequent <laughs> recovery. But yeah. she says that we, you know, while she was struggling, she was continually producing uh, episodes and segments about women in recovery and women and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Because she was so fascinated by the topic and she sort of wanted to talk about it but couldn't bring herself to mm. deal with her own issues and was sort yeah. of using her mm. job to to work on it herself. Um, mm. And and now she talks quite openly and is quite an mm. advocate about it. But yeah. there's certainly some interesting um, models here in North America that, that could um, 
give ideas for, for yeah. how it's done. No, yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, it's silly not to, I mean, it's, yeah, I thought, I thought I should do it. Thank you, Gina. <laughs> <laughs> if it's right for you, only if it's right for you, no pressure. No, but um, uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. Do you worry that you would suffer any professional repercussions by talking no. about it? No, no, not at all. Um, I'm, um, you know, I, I, if people ask, I'm very happy to to talk about it. Um, so, I mean, on, on, on the contrary, I think, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think that would be an issue. I think a lot of the, I mean, I, I am a master of creating a lot of um, drama in my head. <laughs> uh, so I think I'm probably <laughs> making it bigger than it, it has to be. Um, um, and uh, I, I, no, I don't see, I don't think it, it wouldn't have any bad repercussions for me at all, really. I don't think so. I mean, you never know, but I doubt it. Um, no, no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll look forward to fi- finding out what you do next. Oh, and, uh, of so course, <laughs> I'll be helping you promote your project here on the Bubble Hour when, oh, when the time so comes. So you just yeah, let me know. Keep you in the loop. <laughs> Let's talk about this three-year anniversary you just had. Mm-hmm. Did you mark the occasion in any special way? I guess you could say there's a big party for you every year because it's New Year's. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, I have decided that uh, every time I, I uh, and I and I have done previously, every time I I uh, have a sober anniversary, I get a new tattoo. Um, so I'm getting a new tattoo next week. Well, tell me about that. <laughs> um, I don't know kind of how it became, how it got like that, but I think uh, in well, just after getting sober in 2016, I kind of had to, you know, uh, I did a lot of crazy things. Uh, I um, as part of my drinking because I loved beer. Um, and uh, as we all know, beer is full of calories. Uh, so my last kind of 10 years of drinking, I gained a lot of weight. Um, and um, I thought that when I quit drinking, that would all uh, just by a miracle, I would just shed the pounds. Um, that didn't happen, unfortunately. Um, so I decided to, and I'm not sure that was the best strategy, but uh, it it worked for me. I decided to also that into 2016, I decided to lose the weight. Um, so I kind of, um, could focus on something else than, uh, not drinking. Um, and after I'd lost, this is in kilos, but 20 kilos, I'm not sure how much that is in, uh, in Wait, American. I'll convert it. It's a lot in pounds, but let me just do the conversion. <laughs> I'm Googling with my thumb. Keep talking. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I, I shed that and uh, I wanted to mark that because I, it was kind of like a new me, really. Um, so I marked that with a tattoo, um, which is the Latin word for uh, being in the moment, which I have issues with. So that's a, now a permanent reminder on my wrist. <laughs> um and uh, that's kind of how it started. So the next year I did actually, it's like a circle. Uh, and at the time, it, I actually did, now I'm going to sound like a stalking freak, but it was kind of like reminding me of a bubble. <laughs> so like, ah. 
<laughs> so how about also tattooed with with Jean on the deep? No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I want my name on your arm. Um, so that's uh, wait. Let me back up. Forty-four pounds is how much she lost. Forty-four pounds. Okay. So okay. that's okay. like a that's a toddler. I mean, that's that's a that's a lot. Yeah. No, um, so. You must have felt like a new person without all that yeah. extra weight. It was amazing, um, and that kind of spurred me on not drinking as well because you know that kind of uh, not not the sole reason but you know it did make me make me think twice about picking up another pint or picking up a pint um -hmm. all the calories because i know that's how i I gained it in the first place um Mm -hmm. uh, so that year was you know very was a massive change for me And, and also like weirdly after i stopped drinking i kind of came out on the other side suddenly i feel like a completely first my interests have changed super weirdly um I used to hate yoga, for example. I, I, I was scoffed at it. I laughed at my friends that did it. Now I have a good friend that tried to, uh, you know, get me to go so many times. And I was like, it's ridiculous. I'm much rather sit in, in the pub, you know, and I'll meet you afterwards or, you know, whatever. And lo and behold, I just, or last year I, I graduated and I'm now a yoga instructor. wow yeah and also like you know running a half marathon I would like again just laugh at the thought so that's kind of one of the strangest things that I feel has happened after I stopped drinking that I've I've kind of or maybe I've gone back to what I really truly was like before I started drinking I don't know but I'm I am very different my interests have totally changed you know, it's um, funny you say that because I have a friend who says she hates the word recovery because she's not sick. She's like, I was not sick. I don't need to recover. I'm not a patient. I'm not yes. ill. Mm-hmm. And I think of recovery as we're recovering who we used to be. We're uncovering yeah, really that good. young yeah. woman mm-hmm. that got lost in exactly. all the layers of, of yeah. BS that the world yeah. just dumped on us and that we mm-hmm. bought into. Yeah. So it's funny oh. you say that because, you know, you, say you, you said you were 10 when you started having panic attacks. Yeah. And it's almost like all of the coping strategies that you tried to self-administer over the years had to mm. be, like, peeled off so that you could yeah. get back to her and get back on track again. Exactly. Um, and to me, I think that was, the, that was actually kind of shocking that mm-hmm. I was... I kind of woke up as a different person, not, you know, like the way I, like, you know, in, in the, you know, not deep down, I guess, but, you know, all these kind of new interests that have kind of seemingly come from nowhere, but, um, but, you know, it's like, and actually some, some of my friends have said, oh yeah, you know, it's cool. Like, you know, you're into that now. And you remember when we were young, we used to do this and you really loved it. And I was like, uh, huh? Oh yeah, you're right. I actually do love to play soccer, you know. <laughs> and it's like it's so weird that, and it's and it's kind of scary that uh, you lose parts of yourself. Uh, yeah. I, I have never really thought about that until quite recently when I when I did I, I was looking at this uh, registration form for a half marathon and I'm like I can't believe I'm doing this. Yeah, that's uh, fantastic. So far from where I was, say five years ago, you know. You know, I have a theory about yoga and people that hate yoga 
which mm-hmm. I used to as well, mm-hmm. um, is that we can't be still with ourselves. We mm-hmm. can't, uh, we don't want to face ourselves. And yoga no. is way too quiet and yeah. way too slow. Mm-hmm. And we're almost addicted to busyness as a form of distraction, is how Absolutely. I think of it. Right, as a sort of self-numbing thing. Absolutely. And once we get well, we can start to enjoy things like yoga because we can tolerate ourselves and we're not afraid sure. to be alone with our thoughts. Does I that ring true for you? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's. I just remember thinking when I was still living in England and I was working a lot and all that kind of thing. And, and I remember thinking like being busy for me was almost like a sign that I had made it, you know? Being busy was... Mm-hmm. A f- reaffirming to me that I was popular, I was liked, I was good at my job. Uh, so I yeah. was, I mean, bloody hell in, or skip, mind my French. Uh, I was, you know, uh, traveling every weekend, I was seeing friends. I was, and I was like, I was, I liked, you know, to plan, like I'm going to go there, then I can do that at the same time. And then and I was kind of getting really into that being busy was meaningful to me. Um, and I see now that Again, that was kind of another coping mechanism for me because then I didn't have I, I didn't have to you know think about what was really going on, mm-hmm. um, and also like you get rewarded for that, uh, you know, at my job, you know, oh yeah, you know, you they give you more work or they give you you know like uh, important work, and then you feel like oh yeah, I'm really good, I'm great, and it kind of it, it spirals out of control, and it certainly did for me. Um, you know, when you come home and you crash on the couch and all you really can do is, all you really want to do is to have a glass of wine or sit. Mm-hmm. Stop feeling everything. Exactly. You know, I also found too, when I was addicted to busyness and achievement and accomplishment mm-hmm. and um, was that nothing was ever satisfying. No. Like I, I never enjoyed anything I did I just like moved right on to the next thing Mm. and because I just felt no I would never felt safe like you're doing it to try to feel good enough but it doesn't Mm. work no and um, it's almost stressful because as soon as you accomplish one thing oh shit now I'm not busy so I got to find something else to do (laughs) and that that was me in a nutshell it really was and, you know, you could have this massive promotion. I got promoted and, and they were like, oh, congratulations to me. Be so happy. And I was like, I didn't I hardly recognize, you know, I hardly recognized it because I was just like on to like, oh, yeah, okay, that means this and this means that. And now I have to do that. And, you know, it's like you can never, um, yeah, as you say, I never really cherished what I achieved because, yeah, I wasn't really in that headspace to do that. So do you do you feel like it's hard to maintain sort of enthusiasm and motivation now without that mindset, or are you still are you still busy but just more satisfied? Well, how would yeah. you de- define it now? I think um, if I wanted to, I could go back to be as busy. Um, and being a freelance again, it's something I have to be very careful about uh, because I'm, I if I could, if I wanted to, I could be working year without a break. Uh, and, you know, it's hard to say no when you ask and things like that. So I so the whole kind of self-care thing is super important for me now. Uh, I have to make sure I have a break in between projects, you know. Um, otherwise, I'm not going to, it's not going to work. Um, not so much that I feel like I want to drink, but my, my state of mind is not great. Um, I... Um, 
I also have kind of, for me, I think I've found a formula that works. So if if I get my exercise in, you know, three times a week, um, that is my saving grace. Um, mm-hmm. It really, really sorts my head out. Um, so I think I need to be hard on myself. And, and that's another thing that I've been struggling with. Like, and I know you've spoke, spoken about uh, on other um, bubble hour episodes about, you know, self-care. And I, I was very much, and to a certain degree still am, that self-care is selfish, you know? Um, mm, yeah. And especially like, say, over Christmas, and I wasn't really feeling it, you know, didn't want to see people. And I was like, oh, come on, you have to do this Christmas. And actually, I had to say no, because um, I had to take care of myself. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And that, for me, is very, very, very hard. To this day, it's something that I, I don't feel 100% good about it. Um, but I know that if I don't do it, uh, I'm not going to be good for anyone, um, anyone around me or, or myself. Um, so that one is, for me, that's a hard nut to crack. Um, and I think I need to work more on that because I easily feel like, oh, you haven't done anything today. You've just been, you know... My, my, I measure my time very much by what I've done, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it can be anything, you know, if I wash the house or clean the house, then that's great. Then, you know, my mission accomplished. But if I haven't done anything, in my book, haven't done anything, if I've just been reading, for example, that's really not up to par. <laughs> um, so that is my biggest kind of uh, Achilles heel, I think, when it comes to recovery. Um, and that's a work in progress. That I, uh, it sounds like you're hard on yourself. You're in a critic, so. still yeah. active. Yeah. But yeah, it also sounds to me like you're in a really good place. Like you're really, you sound really content. Yeah, I am. Um, I am. Uh, and it's, it, that's okay because that was another thing, you know, like if I felt too happy before, that was very bad. <laughs> um <laughs> So I'm I'm uh, I'm happy, I'm glad that I can kind of uh, be proud of my recovery uh, because that's another thing I often play it down. If people say to me, "Oh my God, three years that's amazing," I'm like, "Yeah, well, you know, it's it's hard, but it's not you know that hard." And I have to be more kind of proud of it because it is. Uh, if I look at it from an outsider's point of view, it's like it's like incredible, really. <laughs> me or yeah. people, you know, that was always the instigator for all all things drinking um that i can now say that i haven't had a touch to drop since you know two three years yeah that's amazing now we just have a few minutes left so i want to ask you i'm i'm Mm -hmm. like a hundred percent certain that there are listeners in your neck of the woods that don't know you and you don't know about but i mean i can see the stats i know we have (laughs) listeners all over the world so um don't worry listeners i can't tell who you are i just get a little (laughs) map with numbers on it every once in a while um so what would you say to by way of encouragement to someone who is um either locally in your area or just feeling isolated and feeling like they're not very supported by their community or their culture or the people around them. Do you have some words of encouragement or um, I, just how to get started for them? Yeah, I would say, first of all, <clears throat> sorry, um, you are not alone. Uh, and it's very easy to feel like that 
especially for example where I live, which is super remote. Um, and uh, if I can do it, anyone can. <laughs> um, I would definitely uh, look things up online, and it's so much stuff out there now. Um, and obviously, of course, Bubble Hour, my my saving grace. Uh, uh-huh. But <laughs> you know, uh, in uh, in Scandinavia, we have this. Uh, there's not you don't really have you know. Uh, can I say like Amazon? You don't have that. Um, but you have similar things, and I've ordered a lot of books on there. People in Scandinavia know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, and you get all kinds of books from all over the world, uh, and you all the kind of uh, sober books and all the kind of famous uh, uh, books that, that we talk about on the Bubble Hour and, and other uh, fora online. You can get them all uh, from there. So it doesn't mean, you know, um, even if we are far from everything it feels like sometimes as you say there must be or there are other others around we just need to i just i just need to figure out a way to connect us <laughs> um but i think the most most important one is that you're not alone even if you feel like you are and even if you know even if you don't dare to tell people that you're not drinking um you know it's i don't know it's so worth it and um together we're together we can do it Yes, I love it. Um, if listeners want to reach you, is it okay if they email me and I forward it on to you? Does that work for you? Absolutely, not a problem. Okay, That's listeners, if you pleasure. would like to send word to Tina to thank her for her interview today, ask her any questions, or if you are in Scandinavia and want to try to meet up, yes. whatever your so reason, cool. well, that would be so cool. I'm yeah. going to come visit you. So. <laughs> Uh, so you'll be hearing from me. Anyway, listeners, you can write to thebubblehour at gmail.com and let me know that your message is for Tina, and I will forward it on to her so that she can reply to you. Yeah, and awesome. Yeah, and um, I want to thank you for doing this. Um, it was so cool. We met in L.A. Yeah. at um, a little event that we had for people that were traveling on their own mm. to the She Recovers event, and um, so I came to that, and, and you were there. And I was like, what? <laughs> you came from Sweden by yourself. Like, you, you got the prize for the whole event, in my opinion. Um, that was so cool. And it was just really lovely to meet and to see yeah, yeah. how our lives connect, you know, around yeah. the globe. And yeah. um, Incredible, so yeah. I immediately asked you to do this, yeah. to do a, a show, and um, I'm really, really happy that you did. And and uh, so cool to connect it with your third anniversary. I didn't realize yeah. that when we booked it. So yeah, no. that, yeah. that's really great. And before oh, we go, mm-hmm. so what is your, when are you getting your next tattoo and what's it going to be? My next tattoo is, is actually next week, <laughs> and it's my biggest to date. Um, so I'm a bit apprehensive. Uh, it's a stag's head, um, and uh, I I often kind of make them mean something to me. So I, I think the stag is also for like strength and change and things like that. But also for me, it's like I love nature. Where I live now, there's a lot of stags around, um, and uh, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like a manifesto or a proof that I've, I've come really, really far. Um, I haven't decided where to have it yet, though. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the jury's out on that, but uh, it's it's going to happen. Ah, I love yeah. it. Okay, well, send me a picture when you get that. That's so cool. <laughs> oh, we love it. 
Okay, well, just stay on the line a minute, Tina. I'm going to just uh, say goodbye to listeners here. Don't hang up. Um, so, everyone, I've been talking with Tina from Sweden. Again, if you'd like to reach her, send your messages to thebubblehour at gmail.com, and I will make sure that she gets them. Um, as I said, you can uh, hear my story or read my story over at unpickledblog.com. We talked about She Recovers and... Um, uh, the She Recovers Retreats. Their website is sherecovers.co. There's a few spots left for Mexico, uh, November 30th to December 6th, I think, 2019. I will be on that retreat. So if you would like to come to Mexico with me, uh, go to sherecovers.co and sign up for um, that Mexico retreat. Tina, I'm talking to you as well. <laughs> and... Um, I guess that's it for me for this week. Oh, we'll be back next week with more episodes. So until next time, everyone, take good care. I own it. I did that. Not proud that that was me. And when I face it, I take back a little dignity. Not looking for excuses. I just want to be free from power. slots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time <gasps> no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.